Welcome to the Live Lightly Podcast. Awareness to integration to elevation. Sue and Dan open intimate and complex spaces together, discussing integration from physical, emotional, and spiritual levels. Expect conversations that are honest, expansive, and solution-oriented. Everything from consciousness design to biohacking to socio-political deep dives. Creative works and building a new paradigm in relationship through daily choices. Check out the show notes for more info about Sue and Dan, plus our guests. Welcome to this week's Live Lightly podcast. I am excited to be sitting in person, which is awesome. We've done a lot of our interviews virtually, and I have the honor and privilege of sitting with one of my good friends, Talia Miliacho. Woohoo! Welcome to our uh, Taos, New Mexico recording headquarters. <laughs> how are you doing? Well. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So I'm curious how you're feeling with Venus and Scorpio and what's feeling really emotionally relevant for you right now. And we'll mm-hmm. just start there. Well, um, Venus sits in Scorpio in my natal chart. So it is... Um, yeah, it feels fluent and familiar, and I would say that the last 10 days or so have been pretty peak in discomfort, um, as if everything is an old shell that has not quite fallen away, and like the new form isn't quite suggested, mm-hmm. it feels very in-between worlds and in-between the seams of reality and form and formlessness. Um, Yesterday and in this moment, I feel more on the emergent side of things and very rested in my being. Mm. Mm. But yeah, the discomfort that has arisen has um, had a taste to it that feels unique. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And obviously maybe like bodily discomfort because like so much change and so much going on or where is that coming from? A little bit, a little bit in the body. I would say mostly this sense of deep subterranean psycho-spiritual tectonic plates, Mm -hmm. like primordial transformation that is uh, almost ineffable. Mm-hmm. difficult to put a finger on where or yeah. what but deeply felt and entrenched in mm-hmm. and how is that directly relating to sort of personal professional weaving those two things mm. together mm. Mm, I have not been home in almost two months so the last 10 days is also like the first uh, moment I've had at home Mm, without anyone else in the house and am yeah at a real threshold in uh the entirety of my life and expression in this year so much new energy has mm, come into my life through really incredible and profound relationships that are shifting my career and uh modalities of expression in the world Mm -hmm. and it's all still really taking shape. So this this moment for me is uh, I'm also engaging with uh, practices that are really longstanding in my life in a very full-time manner. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And yeah, it just, it feels like this threshold of internal and external switching places a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ooh, well, that could definitely bring up discomfort, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, oh, wow, everything that I've been dreamt by my whole life and that has been fueling me earlier than I can really track is now all of a sudden around me in every incarnation. And mm-hmm. um, I, I've had no doubt in that becoming. And I hadn't ever really considered or had the need to consider what it might feel like when your whole internal world becomes your reality mm-hmm. and the space you're left with and mm-hmm. the sort of um it's not really a gap but it's just like oh space yeah uh-huh like <laughs> wow dot 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 that's really uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that's really interesting so in the last maybe like 24 months you know what do you think some of the personal choices on a like intellectual and embodied level that you've made to to see the internal Mm. be like whoa it's there there's the person that's the project I've been really wanting Mm. to collaborate on or whoa how did this person know this is my expertise I've actually never even put it out in the Mm. world yet like Mm. what personal choices did you make to sort of see that integration (laughs) Mm. Mm. Yeah, I feel as if all of the personal choices I've made in the last 24 months have very predominantly started at a deep, quantum level Mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's really this sense of moving off a blueprint that is not my own but very fluent in my being um yeah a continually turning towards what I feel very designed to be a conduit of which is definitely Um, facilitating spaces that really support the transformation of perception and consciousness. And Mm -hmm. I feel, um, yeah, really clear and distinct about my role in that. And it's been very intact for me from a very early age. And that is, has been, and is the driving center of how I move through the world and um yeah all choice really transcends beyond self Mm -hmm. as a place of service to this vision that um I feel is you know dreaming us dreaming many of us um and I have a particular fluency with it yeah um yeah but deep like rewiring Mm-hmm. is maybe the best way I could describe it. Um, I've felt pretty buried and immersed in the va- like the deepest basins and valleys of my own psyche and experience as a collective psyche and experience. And I feel when you touch that place of grief and suffering within your own being and really allow yourself to merge with it um 
yeah, there there is an, a sort of ineffable union with the whole that at least I've experienced and really mm-hmm. accepting and allowing and learning to love my suffering and not turn away from it, but to really see it as a doorway into the divine and into the collective. Um, and I feel there's there's been a guidance of making really profound quantum choices of rewiring my being in accordance to understanding the whole in touching suffering of that level in my own body. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's super scorpionic. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm very curious to see sort of how touching the depths of suffering then creates this like emergent vehicle of different modes of expression mm. and how you've seen that shift. So the more in contact you've gotten with your own suffering, the mm. more that you're like, seeing these different forms want to take shape out in the world, be that through your creative work, through your artistic work, mm-hmm. through relationship, co- collaboration mm-hmm. and artistic relationship, mm-hmm. dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting to reflect on too. Um, I, I feel I'm still in such a sense-making process of my modes of expression and what really pulls me to pour myself into artistically and otherwise. And, Um, I feel my own journey into this valley of suffering in in my body and being into this heart of grief um, was really triggered by the release of two pregnancies Hmm. that, um, yeah, triggered a lot of of, uh, health imbalances and responses in my body that really took me a solid four years to tend to. And I feel Mm -hmm. in that, um, yeah, it was really... Mm, push deep inside of my body, which um, led me to a very non-linear ancestral experience, both in my living bloodline and by choosing to not continue my bloodline in those moments. Um, so well, it's, that's an amazing personal choice right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Profound. Yeah. For mm-hmm. sure. Like really um, deeply difficult and... Um, yeah, also has been my greatest teacher and opportunity to heal and understand more deeply and more empathically. Um, and I feel that that foundation of ancestral reclamation and exploration and guidance into my own body and health imbalances as an invitation to listen to ancestors and to reclaim from that space Um is really the found at this point like the guiding foundation of how I'm moving in my artistic worlds and mm-hmm. um, through the world in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, with the loss of two pregnancies, like deep, deep in your body, this like composting of energy almost. Mm-hmm. You know, did did you feel like a deep connection to the quantum? You know, a couple of minutes ago, you were saying something along, um, choice transcends my personal identity, you know, so I'd love to understand sort of how that conclusion arose out of you with something that can feel so fucking hard and personal, you know, Mm -hmm. in the boundaries of your body, but then also to this big recycling of energy, which to me feels very artistic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel the choice to release both of those pregnancies, like in the more immediate came out of, um, 
a surface feeling of not having support around me. And then I feel like thus has really initiated me into the gifts that I carry and um, the work that I feel, yeah, built to be a conduit of. And um, yeah, I feel conceiving life in your body, the, the beginning of another human life is truly... There's a definition of quantum there, <laughs> of like the spark of from formless to form mm, mm-hmm. genetically. Like there's there it's it's such an amazing liminal edge of becoming and feeling, wow, my body became this way. Wow, there's some memory mm-hmm. within my beingness and presence that was that process, that is this process, that is all human process. And um you know, coming in into this world and leaving this world is is deeply whole and deeply unifying. Um, so I think there's also, yeah, and reflecting on death and life and quite literally, um, yeah, conceiving a pregnancy is it's such a threshold and merging of both of those worlds. And then to move through that those beginning stages of bringing a new life and continuing an ancestral line and deciding not to was like, wow, I simultaneously feel I'm becoming a mother without a child. And as if I'm, you know, mourning one of the most intimate deaths I'll ever know. And Mm, like mm -hmm. within that being shaped entirely continuously in my living form and watching it ripple through my living ancestral line, watching it ripple on my mother's side and my father's side. And, um, you know, this complete ineffable dialogue with the unseen that has continued to really come into clarity through that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the, the quantum feels very held at that edge of form and formless. And I, f- I feel when I think about the quantum or envision the quantum, it's like, that point at which it gets too small for our sciences to see Mm -hmm. from where matter and energy really become just a vibrational field. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's an awesome, lack of a better word, definition, (laughs) 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 but an understanding of that it, it is sort of beyond the way we've trained our perception to this point. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like our senses are as limited as the unit of measure by which we shove them through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you touch the quantum and you're like, oh, everything's what limitless. The fuck? Obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> everything's possible. Yeah. Matter is just energy. Energy is mm-hmm. just matter. Everything's crystallized air. Everything is this <laughs> primordial basis of the elements. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, how do you feel as though you communicate that in one, I think in relationship to other people, mm-hmm. two, in relationship to earth, <laughs> this is a huge question, and three, in relationship to the medium of art you're working with? Mm-hmm. How do I re- relate specifically the quantum to these subjects? Yeah, something that's like mm-hmm. unseen by mm-hmm. our current perception or vantage mm-hmm. point of humanity. 
Which is a scary thing. I just kind of want to also put this out to listeners, too. It's a really scary thing to do because you're like, will my art ever even be seen? Or will this person relationship actually ever see me if you're willing to go into the unseen places over and over and over again? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, This it's so interesting. I, I think this, yeah, leans into probably a pretty scorpionic place to some degree. Um I feel more comfortable in the unseen than I do mm. in the scene. I feel very fluent in a sense of formlessness and non-importance and non-self and non-need. And I feel really able to be in this dissolve, dissolved field where um, I myself ha- often have this experience of not existing and being this neutral observer. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, I know I know that is not the case, but I, I almost feel like I am seen because that is truly mostly my internal experience. I really see uh, not from a performative place, but truly all, all people as myself. I often, when I'm sitting in dialogue with someone, um, there's a couple things that I do really frequently. One is anytime someone I'm with is talking about conflict in their life or... Um, trouble they're having, I listen to them as if they were talking about me Mm. in their life. Mm -hmm. And I take it to heart and do my best to, um, yeah, gain a new vantage point or view. Um, And yeah, have really worked diligently to build my empathic understanding because ultimately I have so much privilege and access and such a unique incarnation that has been so effortlessly guided by something, you know, much greater than myself or any of us. And, Mm -hmm. um, I feel that these doorways in others, in the world, in the collective are opportunities to more greatly know the whole intimately and I think it's only by shifting that viewpoint of identity um, from, yeah, a space of non-self will I ever even remotely kind of taste or touch how much mm-hmm. is happening um, and thus be able to more greatly inform the work that I create in this world, um, you know, in, in true hopes to create something of meaning and something tangible and something regenerative and something of service um, Mm -hmm. because that's so far from what our predominant experience currently is. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, we actually haven't even talked about this like privately in our own lives yet, but in the last like six to 12 months, I've seen the word regenerative just popping up everywhere which makes me just a wee bit worried. <laughs> yeah, 100%. It's yeah. going to take the place of sustainability. Mm-hmm. And before exactly. we know it, it's going to be co-opted. It, we're already seeing it co-opted mm-hmm. by, you know, the death gasp of capitalism. Yeah. Um, yeah, something I, I think about a lot actually is in the English language, how many words we have that are um, re-this or re-that or mm-hmm. un-this but we don't necessarily have the words for what it actually is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because to regenerate suggests that it's not generative, that it's kind of dead, that it's maybe right. flat. <laughs> and really what we're doing is generating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, 
yeah, to regenerate means we're doing that continuously. There's also an interesting breakdown that I explore in the word of to regenerate, like to think of it as an ancestral term Mm -hmm. and to think of our own bodies and beingness as um, the sort of infinite evolving form. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I, I definitely... I don't know. It's like all things. It will be co-opted. A new movement will come. There will be edges Mm -hmm. of frustration. And there's a way in which things popularizing and catching trend and wildfire is what puts it in the broader mind. Mm -hmm. And I personally feel that we're at an hour um, on this planet and in our expression and consciousness that I I don't know if that's negative. I don't know as Mm. though to relate to these things becoming collective, even if it's not in their full integrity, like I'm not sure it's optimal for us to split in that way from things becoming popularized. And Mm. um, more and more I am working on remediating that split and crisis and negative narrative that's so rampant, especially in social media, like, it's it feels so popularized to identify with the experience in our world right now from a place mm-hmm. of crisis and negativity yeah. yeah and mm-hmm. really splitting from it and not bringing it in and loving it mm-hmm. um you know easier easier said than done um, yeah mm-hmm. I no i mean that's that. a phenomenal point right to understand that even the uh sort of neuro linguistic separation actually separates you from the uh embodied soil of suffering which is essentially what you were just talking about 15 (laughs) minutes ago you Mm -hmm. know that we won't really ever sort of get into the heart of what we're doing Mm. if we always step back and are like weirdly criticizing it totally yeah Yeah. i mean the judgment that um is normalized especially in this culture is (laughs) profound and you know it really feels like a reflection of of how probably many of us relate to ourselves Mm, and it's mm -hmm. been uh there's been a lot of medicine for me in that i have often found myself um having a really surface judgmental view of something initially just to find that like i really have deep self remediation to do there Mm -hmm. um and i've really been extremely judgmental towards myself and really violent towards myself and really um yeah, harmful towards myself. And I think ultimately, until we turn so many of these subjects and realities in on our own interpersonal experience to see where we're upholding them individually, Mm -hmm. like they're not going to leave the collective until we're really willing to tease them out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We've had this conversation before. I'm a bit more of a pessimistic (laughs) meditator. of a approach than you which i always appreciate really getting into intense dialogue because i'm i'm more like whoa fucking when man you know, like, like come on come on come on come on come on come on kind yeah. of a thing you yeah. know yeah but i do really understand that like emotional sensitivity to yes the collective is a reflection of our own inner turmoil mm-hmm. and then i was thinking in my head this morning like maybe gumption might be the most misunderstood state of embodiment mm. of our current reality. Cause mm. then I wonder, okay, great. I love that saying, 
or understanding, but what are the next several steps to go like, yeah, I was doing some fucking weird shit too. Why do I keep doing that? You know, da, 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 to actually have that, uh, just like embodied piercing of mm. the glass ceiling that we're all contributing to, mm-hmm. to some level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any, mm. any, any creative ideas? <laughs> Mm, will you give the question one more facet of expression (laughs) yeah like after you're like oh i have been so um deeply abusive to myself and some of these ideas are from my ancestry some are from what i'm seeing out in pop culture some are from dominator capitalism some are from colonialism okay i understand that i'm just sort of downright yucky in my own thoughts (laughs) okay I can do a bunch of healing work, which I also feel like has gotten so collected. (laughs) So, you know, what was sort of the pivot mechanism for you when you gave that one practice of, oh, I really see someone else's suffering. I try it on for a moment. Mm -hmm. And my first initial thoughts like, oh, well, we, how do you keep your body healthy and intact? Mm -hmm. Because that's hard too, Mm -hmm. you know? So maybe Mm -hmm. that's the question I'm asking. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. how do you do that deep taking on someone else's suffering or the world's suffering? Mm -hmm. And then also saying, how do I take care of my earth and mm, earth mm, 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 mm. yeah uh, the feeling is a drop of water that falls into the ocean i feel <laughs> but you know we only become unwell in our own limited perception of self and collective mm. um and it takes a lot of dying on an everyday basis to really understand that And I feel that continual death, that continual transformation towards liberation is a process that not only do I feel really committed to, but I actually feel like I've had no choice but to really (laughs) embrace it because it's the cycle in which my life and being move. Um, And it is, yeah, the thing that I feel like I'm pushed through time and time again. And right now I feel in an emergence with it where um, yeah, I can, I can say that I, I really truly feel whole in myself. I don't feel a sense of void or a sense of, wow, there's a whole cabinet of subconscious, yucky, inherited, conditioned stuff that I haven't addressed. Yeah. I, I, I get a little cutthroat when it comes to this <laughs> stuff. I'm like, oh, wow, there's something gross in there. Like, great. Let's commit the next six months right. to excavating it. Like, I don't want anything unconscious gross hidden Mm, mm -hmm. you know inherited running me yeah and that it takes ruthless commitment to really work on tracking these things in your system and unrooting them and not exiling them because i think that's the other thing that we often do is we find something we don't like in ourselves, in others, and we want to dispose of it, mm-hmm. which is a completely colonial construct mm-hmm. that like we can choose something and, and dispose of it as if it doesn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. you know, and to split from ourselves, to split from the world in that way is, it's not getting us anywhere. It's like that very thing that needs healing. And I think especially when we, when physical discomfort arises or emotional discomfort, we want to medicate. We don't want to feel it. We want to turn away. We want to cover it up mm-hmm. instead of, wow, what cool. All I can do right now is cry for eight hours a day. Right. What if I don't pathologize this? What if I 
cry for eight hours a day Mm, mm -hmm. and like really lean into it and really embrace it and trust that there's some, there's a reason I'm crying this much. There's a reason the body has this stored in it. Mm -hmm. It's water. It's moving out of you. Totally. Our bodies are made of water. That's powerful. Yeah. But we have a lot of old ideas about mental health and mental illness and imbalances in this way and imbalances Mm, in that mm -hmm. way. And I don't feel have enough guiding posts culturally right now to embrace mental difference or profound experience or fluency with the unseen. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these things are still very demonized. Um, yeah. There's a lot of concepts. Demonized and maybe just like not, I don't even want to use the word understood, but unperceivable at this time totally people yeah. it brings up fear yeah it brings up fe- there's a fear of death you know mm-hmm. like it really kind of comes down to that of like i'm afraid to die mm-hmm. but i'm holding on so tightly but i really don't like holding on and that's making my body and my mind sick but i don't really know how to let go because it kind of makes me feel like i'm out of control right, yeah. and what if no one's there to catch me and then that's just like convening with that's an the explosion right there. And the conditioning. And, yeah. You know, yeah. and then mm-hmm. the the gaps of access, the gaps of privilege, the gaps of availability mm-hmm. to, to really lean into this work. Like we don't have safe spaces to truly, truly heal. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. I actually want to double back on something you just said and a lot in my private client work. I'll, I'll like say, okay, no more pathologizing. You know, you can't tell me your past diagnosis or how you got to this point of suffering. You can only describe it in like adjectives mm. and embodied states. Mm. We'll do that for a short period of time and then we're not allowed to bring it up again. Mm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it isn't mm-hmm. just like mm. this narrative of mm. pathology because I mm. think that, oh, you're right. I, I think what you said about disposal is just so on point of, you know, what if we saw the emotional baggage that we hate about ourselves and instead of saying like, oh, I can just take it to the landfill and it'll just sit there like petroleum plastic and it'll just sit there. It didn't go anywhere. <laughs> like, there it is. Yeah. Seven <laughs> miles from my house. <laughs> that bag of exile parts. Exactly. That just, you are going to have to reintegrate <laughs> at some point. And if you don't do it, like if you have a kid, they're going to have to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's such a good point, you know. And maybe we go all the way back to there. It's like, okay, you know, how do we see this uh, recycling of some of the stuff where you're like, whoa, that actually isn't the person I want to become. I can become that person if I don't clearly make that choice in that interim. Mm. Uh, mm. I mean, it's a millisecond, you know, where you're, you're either doing it or you're not doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, how did that come into the forefront of, I know it's, you're saying it's in your blueprint, right? And then did it, was it just like getting whacked with suffering and just being like, what's the most efficient way to cope with this? I have to go into it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of content that has um, yeah kind of become the perfect brew in my life. Um, I ate somewhat accidentally a very large dose of LSD when I was twelve, and um, yeah, in a really unsafe container. I was at a rave mm. that was oversold, and um, 
yeah, luckily had a friend at that point in my life who was really willing to hold it down for me. But, you know, the other person I was with wanted to leave me there. And um, I would say that that single experience of touching the place beyond perception before my perception had even really truly formed in my body and brain um pivotal completely I, Mm -hmm. i have worked with a lot of psychotropics and plant medicine and other various forms of journey work at this point i still have not ever touched what i touched in that experience Mm-hmm. I truly entered a place of being able to think of something and make it appear and hold it and touch it and listen to it. It became completely like the astral, the unseen became tangible. And there is a way in which I feel that is true for all of us, all humans. Mm-hmm. I just think to remember that or to reach that place in your being is extraordinarily difficult with the given circumstances. And... um that was such a full-on experience at such a early point in my life that I really, I didn't know who to talk to mm. or what to do with it. And luckily, like the right stature of ingredients stood in my life. You know, I was already at an art magnet high school and middle school. Mm-hmm. I had a pretty solid community. I have a pretty good family. I don't have siblings. Um my grandmother was really into metaphysics and there was a store she used to take me to called Isis books. Mm -hmm. And it was actually there that I discovered this whole um, section on shamanism and ET communication and indigenous plant medicines. And it was really, you know, at an hour, Google didn't have much on psychedelics. There was a couple case studies of like the early sixties research, but there wasn't really a resource for me. Mm -hmm. And so it was really that section of that bookstore that became a resource. And I, th- I think that just not knowing what I had touched and really having no idea how to make sense of it put me on a path, really. Mm-hmm. Like, I had no other option. I was like, well, I feel fucking crazy. <laughs> I kind of feel like someone synthesized that experience. I don't really know what to think of it I quite literally thought that it was um synthesized outside of me like Mm, I mm -hmm. I I didn't even really have a grasp on what LSD was or wasn't right um and then when I was 14 my dad went to federal prison so this is like all Mm. in the junction of me getting into an art magnet high school and middle school for visual arts Mm -hmm. and having a container to really develop my creative voice, which is really been my safe tool to move me through and to make sense of everything. And then, you know, it's like two years later, my dad goes to prison and they're saying 60 years to life for the first six months. That was Mm. two weeks before I started my freshman year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) totally. I mean, one thing that you just did so beautifully there is you reached back into the heritage in a way that Mm -hmm. was actually the healing medicine that you needed Mm -hmm. to heal the other parts Mm -hmm. that were fragmented, Mm -hmm. you know, looking to the same source to answer like the joy and the suffering Mm -hmm. simultaneously, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of reaching outside of the container for something so far outside of Mm -hmm. your heritage, Mm because sometimes we demonize so deeply where we've come from. Mm. 
especially now, I think, mm, yeah. yes, we're doing this re dot 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 claiming of, yeah. you know, our own ancestral trauma across lines of race in so many mm-hmm. deep ways, mm-hmm. but to actually look back for both yeah. the pain and the answer, mm-hmm. you know, in the same. I've been reflecting a lot, especially in the last 48 hours, actually how um, honored I am to come from my family. I really, mm. truly love where I've come from. And granted, no one's perfect. I feel um, like I can find perfection in my family in a way that I feel really, really blessed by. And um, especially, yeah, the access I've had to my grandparents and um, specifically my dad's mother, Carol, her role in my early life and Mm -hmm. really, um, you know, she was my primary caretaker and she's really crafty and really intelligent (laughs) and kind of hardcore and kind of like a dragon lady you know she's really like no (laughs) bullshit and um yeah hasn't always uh yeah felt great about the life she's lived and so I'm her only grandchild and that really provided a bond for us of like I was her whole world and Mm -hmm. um yeah she's really skillful when it comes to craft and that's what we spent a lot of my early childhood doing was going to museums and making things together. So even pre-art school, yeah. there was a foundation of creativity that came from lineage mm. that mm-hmm. I think ultimately when I really go into the non-linear dream space, wow, that goes really far back in my lineage. That's way older than her, way, mm-hmm. way older. And I can track it on my mom's side too of like, these are craftspeople. These are people of the land. Mm-hmm. These people have old traditions and there may not be oral memory of them, but they're there. They're intact and beyond even what's been handed to me directly, I feel it in myself. There's a level of understanding material and craft and creativity mm-hmm. that is way older than me. Yeah. Like I don't even really understand what intelligence exists through my body for making. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I've had again, like the sort of right opportunity and access points to cultivate that from a really early age. And then like the right crisis points to like trigger (laughs) deeper awakening into those practices. Yeah. Um, And also just being like, wow, my art is the only thing that can hold me. Mm. Yeah. Because what I'm touching, like, I don't know if I know humans that have touched this, you know? (laughs) So, like, I'm going to just really figure out how to make super intricate stuff so I can start to sort through this, like, really vast field that could, like, so easily um, make me go crazy or not ground Mm -hmm. or, like, not, you know, you could spiral out from that place so easily. And you see people do it with medicine, especially a lot of the time unless we integrate and bring into form and really move through these like massive massive intangible spaces Mm. by pulling them into form which you know making has really helped me do that yeah it's given me like an intricate practice to sort through the weaving of the quantum web Mm -hmm. tangibly (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of like the secret sauce in a way, which you just sort of laid out the timeline a bit of like getting into art school, having the influence of grandmother, dealing with like the intensity of dad and everything that came from that. And then and then it's like you were able to really consciously move into your plant medicine healing path. Mm-hmm. Right. So the dominoes kind of fell the other way mm-hmm. as opposed to like, oh, let me 
test it out in my mid forties when I haven't actually laid the framework, like your voice tone changed when you were like, uh, my creative, you didn't say essence, but like my creative uh, ability is the only thing I've been able to really ground in, you know? So you kind of had that touchstone, even though it felt so huge, Mm -hmm. you know, but like what an actual framework for you to one, create, obviously, but two, like move through all the sort of uh, murk or gray mm-hmm. spaces of like, who am I and what do I want to put out in the world and how do I want to do that and how do I want it to touch other people, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously sort of deep healing transformation is a big, big part of putting something creative out into the world. Mm-hmm. I just, if it's not that, it's like an arm of productivity and capitalism mm-hmm. if it mm-hmm. doesn't have mm-hmm. that deep, deep essence of like, I really don't even fucking care if anyone buys this. This was for my grounding, my making sense, my inner reality that maybe no one will ever even see, but I love being in it. So here Mm -hmm. we go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's sort of what drives me, you know, I don't want to put words into your mouth, you know, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about, um, I can see it being like a physical risk to always follow that the grounding and the creative energy or Mm. that this is the driving purpose to Mm. create things. Mm. Mm. Will you ask the question? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I'm like, there's a, there's a lot in here. Can we distill? (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, I'm thinking if I'm a listener listening to the podcast and I'm going, Oh God, I really want to be able to, put something out in the world that has that much of me behind it. And I don't want to worry about its performance or what it's going to say or what it's going to do. Or I just want to be able to put something out in the world that has that much of me behind it. Like that can Mm. feel very risky, very scary. Mm. Right. Mm. And you developed that resilience at such a young age. Like it Mm. seemed that was the way to go. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I think the first thing I feel is like, it's risky if you identify with it as you, Mm. I've never had a relationship. I'm well, let me backtrack. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to say, I've never had a like ownership relationship over what comes through me. That is not true. It just got teased out of me when I was still in high school. Mm. There was a period I went through where my work was just relentlessly being copied by a couple people. And it hit this vein of anger (laughs) and fuel in me. That was so Mm. infuriating. And I see a lot of people deal with this on social media now. And I'm so grateful. It was like the design of intelligence was like, we're going to make sure you transform this now because you're going to deal with this a lot. And it's going to be a lot easier if you detach Mm. emotionally from it Mm -hmm. and really start to recognize yourself as a vessel and don't claim, don't try to grasp Mm. what comes through you. Like, Allow it to come through you to the best of your ability and then let go. If it becomes your career, if it becomes the way you move through the world, amazing. That's a byproduct. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, that's been the case. I, you know, tattoo has been that way for me of like, it fell into my lap. It came out of a really raw, honest place of expression in high school. Mm-hmm. It came from a place of starting to study really ancient practices and spiritual lineage and also just like raw, creative, youthful 
exploration. It kind of was like the praxis mm. of those mm-hmm. places. Um, but I started for fun. I started because I, I was like, this seems cool. I think I could do this. I actually had a moment of thinking I'd go into the tattoo industry. And then by the time I was 16, I was like, fuck that. Mm. There's so much toxic masculinity <laughs> and like weird structure going on yeah. there. Like I am not, no one is going to tell me how to make my art. Mm. Um, and then, it, you know, found its way into my life more naturally through friends. But um, yeah, I think getting, getting precious about the things that come through you as if it's limited mm. is a waste of time. I just keep thinking of Schmeagol right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, I mean, that that's like a lifelong practice right there. For sure. You know, of how to answer the question of, you know, how to take that risk. Well, maybe we just mitigate the risk from the get-go and yeah, check no, the identity. Yeah, no risk. I mean, I feel, yeah. I feel like I'm... I'm yeah, like doing that in my own way right now as so much of me is feeling too vast to fit into drawing and tattoo at this point. I'm like, I'm mm. going to sing. I want to dance. I want to build, you know, multi-thousand people experiences. I want to be in media. Like I want to work with mediums that are more multidimensional than mm. what I'm most fluent in. And it's especially when it comes to my voice, like I have such a deep, um, yeah, desire that's been fueling me to anchor and clear my voice. That's been a huge part of everything that's happened with the pregnancies and the releasing of them and the ancestral path and mm-hmm. um, the what wants to come through my voice and this being my primary path of creation. Like I'm, I've been experiencing such risk there. Oh yeah. Of like you know, it's been like the primary place I've had to tease out a lot of self judgment. And then Sue texts you and says, "Want to get yeah. on the podcast?" <laughs> less so now I feel much more like um in it like grounded Mm. in it um Mm -hmm. there's always work to to be done you know I think that's the other thing is like mitigating the idea that you're gonna arrive at some plateau where Mm -hmm. like you've got it Mm -hmm. figured out yeah I mean that's an illusion yeah it does not exist Mm -hmm. you also have to fend (laughs) off other people's illusion Oh my you, god! That, that might be the case. <laughs> completely, yeah. Of like, oh, you've really got something figured out. Like, you make your art for your living, and right, I'm like, right. yeah, grass is greener, man. Uh-huh. Like that coffee shop position's <laughs> looking real nice. It's really, unco- it's like getting yeah. really comfortable with constantly dying and constantly being uncomfortable. Like you start to master, you start to put enough hours into being right on that edge Mm -hmm. of all your own self-perceptual beliefs and judgments and, you know, whatever the matrix is that you deal with. And you just start to get really good at like meeting it and meeting it again Mm -hmm. and meeting it again every single day. It really becomes a practice. Totally. It needs to be. There's Mm -hmm. no, the only constant truly is change and Mm -hmm. truly is transformation. And so... Yeah, the basis is to begin again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think also helping your relationships, like communicating with them, knowing that you're going to be different than you were when you were in that last creation mm-hmm. period mm-hmm. or the project that you mm-hmm. put out mm-hmm. into the world or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. it may be to mm-hmm. sort of like so many people after TN were like, what's next? What's next? And I'm like, nothing, dude. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) like we're coasting for a bit you know I don't always have to be in that 
like, like a production machine exactly which is you know this this trickle of capitalism of like mm-hmm. oh you do that thing that's you as a product oh sell right. it to me give it to me yep. this is like where social media has become this perfectly tailored late stage capitalism yeah. for so many creatives and independents and frontline educators and like so many people who are truly richly mm. here to transform and foster a new culture and way of being and it's basically co-opted us yeah and it's very difficult to tease out and to see through like mm. i you know i in some regard have a quote-unquote career with tattoo or ability with tattoo or identity with tattoo because of Instagram. Mm, mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's totally true because I don't know what it would have been like without yeah. it. But I, you know, I started on Instagram when I was 16, mm-hmm. started tattooing when I was 18. I'm 26. Yeah. The app has changed a lot. The algorithms behind it have changed a lot. The ownership has shifted hands. And now so we're at much. this point where it mostly just feels like an extractive, unethical AI data bank, Mm -hmm. but there is this really rich community of people that have found each other there and have visibility of one another that are fostering this front line Mm -hmm. of consciousness evolution and really tangible revolution, not necessarily in the way we think of revolution as this like intense protest uprising, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it is of its own nature, but it's much quieter and softer and grounded and now all of a sudden it feels like there is um yeah this really rich ecosystem that has become that now needs you know like a proper Mm. place to grow like a proper (laughs) petri dish to be inoculated in to really um yeah do what it's here to do and so it's i don't know there's a there's a really interesting threshold and witnessing and um it's also actually like this kind of drops back into the not exiling not splitting like it's really easy to be in the space of like independent creative who's kind of selling themselves as a brand or like kind Mm. of making their thing as a product and very influenced by the response on social media or their following because now you have this outward facing identity and Mm. maybe that's not really true but you're also grateful because it's allowing a life you might not otherwise have had Mm -hmm. and there's just like this um it's easy to be in that place and to want to like blame Instagram to want to point fingers yeah. to be like this is wrong da, 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 mm-hmm. da. and then you know when I can really like let go and drop into the whole intelligence of like oh wow that's still a that's still an othering mm. that's still a like not trusting mm-hmm. the greater intelligence of the cosmos period right Instagram is not separate from everything else. Like yeah. fossil fuel extraction is not separate from everything else. Mm. Like there must be a reason that our becomingness has taken this path. Yeah. I do not see how there could be separate lines mm-hmm. when it, it is a whole. Like it cannot be any other way than perfect, whole, and complete. Like that just is the basis of reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, it's... Yeah. <laughs> No, macro, I mean, micro, yeah. like eagle view, ant view. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I mean, really sort of the like binary that needs to be broken at this time, totally. you know, to see so much change in so mm-hmm. many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the point of um, social media in particular, and like I 
what you said is is like a stage of late capitalism, 100%. And we're like mistaking it as it comes up in my client sessions all the time. It brings so much stress for so mm, many people mm-hmm. of like, how do I mitigate putting my true self out there using air quotes? And it's like, wait, wait, why haven't we zoned out yet and gone, I don't think the mechanism can allow truth in it. Therefore, we have to like actually not necessarily redesign it, but look at um, one that it is bringing people together, Mm. which Mm. I do Mm. stay there for that reason. I've met awesome, badass people through it that are now big parts of my life. Same. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, in some ways, my whole life has come through Instagram, you know? Talk about a trip. (laughs) And and I think one of the biggest risks in relating to it is that we have been convinced we need it as our sort of steering wheel through the cosmos Mm. of like, Mm-hmm. how else will I survive if I don't yeah. do this on Instagram? Totally. <laughs> I took on six months before the book published, which is like the worst time to do it. But like, what are all the other outlets that I could use? Just personal research. You know, I wasn't going to make a choice. I just needed to convince my rational mind that it had a choice, mm-hmm. you know? So I was like, oh, cool. There's Telegram. There's a newsletter. There's freaking standing in the Taos Plaza. (laughs) Like, I know that sounds ridiculous, but it was like a sort of rational consciousness experiment. There's got to be other ways. Like, why haven't you sorted through this, Sue? Like, come on, come on. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I ask myself this a lot because I I have heavily flirted with this, you know, really romantic idea of just getting rid of my phone and, (laughs) and, you know, letting go of the home, letting go of the bank accounts and kind of taking like, Mm -hmm. you know, I go through that storyline of like a more radical incarnation of, well, how would I get clients? Like if I really cut out my world, like would I sit in a coffee shop and draw and like thinking about Mm. these access points of Mm -hmm. where you feel like you can track the culture you want to be a part of, which I think at one point for makers, creatives, it's like you had to live in New York or LA. Mm. You had to live where there was, mm-hmm. you know, industry or yeah. culture or your people. And now that's not centralized. That's completely decentralized. Mm-hmm. And so... And in a weird way, social media has helped decentralize completely. that. Completely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. So it yeah. feels like we're at this juncture of like decentralization. Actually, mm-hmm. you know, obviously with the development of Web3 and cryptocurrency and blockchain, like that is where we're seeing that word. But there's also a way in which uh, Mm. creative culture is becoming really decentralized, period. And it feels like we have this opportunity to potentially, yeah, inoculate and cultivate a vaster creative culture and really um, usher in a a new way of being that is uh, inclusive and equanimous for Mm -hmm. for all beings. Yeah, this might be a broad connection but during the whole like intensity of the pandemic I saw a lot of people that identify as creators in my life actually lose their niche in advertising marketing because all of that was like closed down for a bit Mm -hmm. and so then there was like a little bit of a hustle well now what else do I do Mm -hmm. but it actually opened up 
huge conversations, mm. you know, like Mm-mm-mm. one of my friends hitting me up like, Hey, let's do a magazine. Mm-hmm. Like it, because so much creative energy was getting siphoned to sort of feed that machine. Mm-hmm. And then when that mm-hmm. machine wasn't running mm-hmm. for even be it 90 days or three months or whatever mm-hmm. it was in the city that you live in, then that prana got freed up to go in other directions, which I was like, mm-hmm. Whoa, this is cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think part of what's been so uh, miraculous about the last year is is trauma and crisis and suffering are some of the most immediate trigger points into awakening mm-hmm. and i think that this last you know however many months year and a half two years has has been um the first time we've really witnessed the collective like the whole globe in an initiatory process of uncertainty Mm, mm -hmm. that uncertainty has always been there but very few people are willing to meet it and you know even further willing to embody it or or move with it or breathe with it and i feel that we've we have had no option but to really be in that uncertainty and it's really alarming for a lot of people it's not Mm. you know it's like being thrown into an initiatory ceremony but without elders without guides you know, those, mm. the, the, this is where I, you know, t- like turn toward that um, internal ancestral realm yeah. of like remembering that we have that guidance within us, within our genetic code. We all have access to it mm. and it can feel terrifying to meet it. Yeah. yeah. But like once you sit there and you breathe <laughs> mm-hmm. into it and just allow, I mean, it's very intact. Definitely so intact maybe sometimes it's like weirdly unbelievable mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. simple and obvious and yeah and like pure. oh <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that means i would have to change all these other weird things because this is just so simple yeah 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> hmm Anything else you want to bring to the surface? We're all ears. Mm. Yeah, I feel like I'd I'd love to give a little room for like what I really actually feel pulled to do in my life is to build centers that can foster this for people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, th- I you know we touched on this that healing and wellness, like many things, has been co opted and uh, yeah pretty eaten by capitalism and really given an image of privilege and luxury and mm-hmm. inaccessibility and and often is that but it's like just an idea of wellness um has become that and yeah. i feel yeah i feel we are at a really ripe hour where people really need support mm-hmm. and really need guidance and tools truly that don't cost an exorbitant amount of resource and money that people don't really have, you know, like the gaps of privilege and access that are, you know, like the leftover trails of colonialism have really, yeah, Mm. especially in this country, like it just is near impossible to actually get well. Yeah. And so we really need spaces that hold that for people that are ultimately probably going to have to be you know, 
in the function of a village or a space where people could truly let go of their life and yeah. and come to to become safely to actually become anew and move from that place like that is so possible i think it could actually be done really efficiently with the right organization it's just that <laughs> you know it, it does take resource it takes the right minds coming together but mm. i i would say that the vision of creating a global network of those spaces is my primary fuel of mm. what I feel so determined to facilitate in some manner or just to continue to listen to and show up to. Like, I know that it is being dreamt through many of us. Um, and I think that there's a really precise way to do it. Like, mm -hmm. visions of this nature can get really utopian. Right, yeah freely and ungrounded and like shrouded and all of these same perpetual patterns that we need to break and so you know it would it would take uh I think I think of it almost as a mathematician like I have this experience in my own being of feeling like wow I actually feel like an engineer or a mathematician but I've ended up in this sort of weird creative amorphic fluid mm -hmm. like spider woman space yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I you know in my internal world I often feel like I'm working out an equation on the board as to how do we do this well mm. how do we do this from a place of deep listening and responding according accordingly how do we do this so it is a structure but that also has room to change and evolve and like how do yeah. we do this fairly efficiently you mm -hmm. know like People need this now yeah. <laughs> in a big way. I was, I, I feel how fortunate and how privileged I was to have all the right tools to become who I've become. And I realized that there's a lot of people that are far older than me that are ready to let go of, of their whole life, of everything that they thought was and mm. like don't really know how to don't know where to start it feels terrifying yeah I, I don't i'll never work a corporate job i have no idea what it's like to be in that place you know i have access mm -hmm. to that through my mother who quit her career and made the jump and sold the house and you know went yeah, to peru to do dieta hard. and yeah is is doing her absolute best and it's it's hard when you are so many years in to being convinced and identified with this is how it's done. Mm -hmm. This is what life is. You follow that long enough and it's hard to get that out of your neurological and cellular system. It takes support. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it takes support from non-human spaces. It takes plant support. It takes medicine support. It's, you know, why I believe in the work with mushrooms so much. Yeah. Is they help break these patterns from inside of you from a nourishing place. They hold you. Mm -hmm. They're the earth's intelligence speaking to us, through us, as us. You mm -hmm. know, they have a potential to help us clean up and repair in a way that I have not really experienced in anything else you know maybe yeah. the breath itself mm -hmm. but even their ability to guide us back to the breath mm -hmm. as everything falls away like ideally we have safe accessible spaces where people can do this work because we need it it's, yeah it's, it, there is we have no option but to face ourselves and to meet ourselves. Like there is no, there's no other way but through it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, we can't continue to function on this idea of individualism or 
you know, obviously small community pockets or something, but I, f- I feel a need for like real state of the art centers that can be like, you know, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I, I need support. I, I want to go into rehab essentially. Yeah. Oh my God. I my mean, own neurological brainwashing to a degree, which I don't love that word, but yeah, but it's, it, yeah. you know, it's an, it's being spoon fed, mm-hmm. like a version of reality that doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden there's like enough cracks in it in its death gasp, in its midwifing, in its becoming, that we we get to do that, it's gonna feel scary. It's gonna feel like there's no roadmap. And it's gonna feel like, yeah, wow, I'm addicted and mm, fucked mm-hmm. up and have all these nervous tics of like picking my face or judging myself or, you know, this disorder or that disorder. I mean, we all have like these neuroses that are really, really, really hard to unplug. Mm-hmm. Like, I am grateful to have whatever force I have in myself to almost obsessively dig at them yeah. to excavate them. Mm-hmm. But like knowing from like a place of an individual who has so deeply reached for the roots to mm-hmm. <laughs> compost them and to yeah. uproot them to like let fresh nutrients become in those spaces. It's hard. It's really, really, really hard. And it is a lot easier if you have people helping you. Mm -hmm. It is a lot easier if you have support and if you feel safe and if you feel seen. Totally. It's a lot easier. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think of Vipassana centers a lot too. Yeah. Vipassana is super interesting Mm -hmm. how they run. Super interesting. Yeah. There's something there and just like, yeah. You're going to sort be of the utilitarian for... <laughs> austereness is also, I think, but I'm a Zen meditator, you know, yeah, yeah. so take it with a grain of salt is, <laughs> is also like, so healing in the overstimulation yeah. and the intensity. And that's a little tricky right now because mm-hmm. this idea would have to get sold for lack of a better word mm-hmm. in like the environment we're mm-hmm. in and mm-hmm. like the co-opting of wellness as if it's this like plush thing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it's like you get this awesome bathtub and you know da, 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 when you go on retreat yeah. you know but more of like a, a grounded sustainable community that is like actually invested in healing and I think I agree with you you didn't say these exact words but I'll read between the lines a little <laughs> <laughs> that there there has to be access to consciousness expansion and it's not going to come through the substances that we're currently using in our status no. quo right and it's not going to come through adopt like adapting these substances into our status quo i 100% agree with you it's one of the reasons i've facilitated so many retreats is that you have to actually leave your life the context mm-hmm. of it for a period of time and mm-hmm. if that's just a meditation retreat or a plant medicine retreat mm-hmm. or something Mm-hmm. But they are like I hate even saying that out loud on the podcast because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, but don't go googling them. Well, it's not even. I think I think there's this. <laughs> there's actually this whole, a sort of problematic sphere of retreat. Yeah. Like we can't be retreating from what is. Agreed. Agreed. We need spaces that support us building what is mm-hmm. and rebuilding ourselves. Like we need like true wellness rehabilitation centers Mm -hmm. that allow us to repattern our cellular and neurological self and actually gain tangible skills whether they're musical whether they're food whether they're growing like we need to be building 
practical skill sets for cultivating culture. Yes, yes. It seems simple. It is simple. We have been doing it for most of our time on this planet. (laughs) In this moment of coming out of the quickening and out of the industrial sort of like lust. Yeah. Mm, Lust is a good word. Yeah. And as that lust dies and dissipates, like, and we are basically grown infants with no skills, like we're going to have to rebuild skills. Yeah. And we're going to have to dissipate some of this internal patterning that's, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty, pretty beyond us. And it's like when I'm just seeing a neon sign in my head skills, it's also just deep emotional relating, like not not having to take a course that someone else is suffering might be close to yours. You know, like actually yeah. tapping into our innate humanity mm, that, mm. well, how do we actually build community mm-hmm. through witnessing other people's suffering? We all know that on a deep, deep level, you know, like you've reached out and asked for help and the person that helped you in your deepest, darkest times, like I'll come to tears. They're part of your life for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Where is that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah hidden by fear yeah. <laughs> of vulnerability, hidden mm-hmm. by fear of being seen. Yeah. I mean, we're so in this lattice matrix egg <laughs> that is cracking and we're a little bit like, oh my God, reality's <laughs> breaking. It. Yeah. Like, it's so scary. <laughs> I don't want to come out of this hard shell. But mm. that's all we really want, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. and I don't, I don't know if we have to do anything, but really allow it to happen and like do our absolute best to get out of our own way and to support one another it's Mm. hard yeah it's hard to become it's difficult Mm -hmm. it tests everything yeah and it's intrinsic it will it it is the innate movement of the cosmos in which we dwell it will happen it will continue yeah i do agree with that 100 percent. there's no like this is it Mm -hmm. yeah this is it without me or not, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. it's like, going to keep going. It's going to keep going. So yeah. we might as well like ride it mm-hmm. <laughs> and be with it and allow it to move through us. Because yeah. I think there's also this really ecstatic point we're at where like, if you can just mm. let it truly be a process in movement, it's, it's quite ecstatic. Oh, it's amazing. It's like a Peak yeah. expression and consciousness. Mm, mm-hmm. We have it's been dreamt for millennia. I mean, we're living at a juncture in time space that is so multifaceted and profound. And if you can, I mean, I, you know, I would just it's encourage there. people like to right like there. Yeah. really enjoy it. Yeah, we're gonna be here only for this moment, mm-hmm. and that is true for all moments. And to you know, to just really drop into that. And to really allow it and look at it as like this magnificent finale. Mm. I, that, that's when I'm most content and most at peace is when I really can drop into the show of it all. And this like, wow, we're getting to watch, you know, this death and birth simultaneously. Mm-hmm. It's exquisite. Yeah. Truly. I mean, no, it's so ornate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the trick sometimes is someone's like, how are you? And you actually are like, I'm fucking awesome. Yeah. You know, like deeply and, well. Yeah. And like <laughs> getting that through the barrier, yeah. you know, of, of yeah, yeah, not yeah. willing to look that wellness yeah. also includes deep suffering. If totally. not, that's the centerpiece. Or also like, yeah, I'm really fucking hurting. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I'm not okay right now. And but that's I'm okay. still okay and doing awesome. 
yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 like holding learning to hold the whole spectrum of experience mm-hmm. without identifying too heavily to any one part huge key <laughs> <laughs> yeah so moral of the podcast is <laughs> hit us up if you want to be a part of the creation process of these centers (laughs) but in a real way you know putting these kinds of sound currents out into the world is Mm. really like the initiatory spark in Mm -hmm. so many ways Mm -hmm. you know comes back Mm -hmm. to like the integration of the voice which Mm -hmm. i think is definitely a centerpiece Mm -hmm. of my life too of let's just put it out there who cares if it's gonna root or not like let's just see let's see if someone else has fertilizer for it Mm -hmm. let's go let's go for it you Mm -hmm. know in that type of a capacity so Mm -hmm. (laughs) i knew that this hour would just be full of so many things you know didn't even touch one of the prepped questions (laughs) um i really value you and i appreciate your work out in the world Mm -hmm. and our friendship and thank you for being on live lightly podcast Mm -hmm. this week talia yeah, thank you so much. It's such a gift to have um, an opportunity to speak this all in one storyline. Mm. Yeah, it's really like a first to get to speak it in this amount of distillation. Woo woo. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Live Lightly podcast. If you loved this episode, please download and subscribe. Please leave us a review. We would love to hear from you and your main takeaways from this episode. Tag us on Instagram and Facebook at LiveLightly underscore. We will then reshare your takeaways and insights. We love bringing you these in-depth conversations. Please remember the suggestions of our guests and hosts are for informational purposes only and should not be taken as actionable advice. This podcast is a resource for general information and education only. Live Lightly is not liable for your decisions to implement information from this podcast.